man, that's pretty. We could do a duet. It's a privilege for me. She's 28. He's 88. It's whether or not they want to sing with me, though. I don't know. I told you, I don't like to be anywhere but cheek to cheek when you're in the room. An amazing privilege. Rod's done a duet with you. Too much, you guys. Mixed power is physical and visual. David's a steel and big. I was thrilled to work with you. Let's hope we do it again. We sing all the time, duets, you know. So I was thinking, this sounds kind of Italian. So I called Zuccaro. I did want to start this where we left off. Okay. We did talk about Burt Reynolds and the relationship with him and Tammy. Yeah. I was watching this interview with him and Tammy on the set of their sitcom, Evening Shade, Hmm. from 94. He's talking about duets and he says, What's wonderful is the crossover. Twenty-some years ago, I begged her to sing a song with Sinatra or Tony Bennett. And she said, They'll never forgive me. Referring to the country music industry. Right. Well, she did one with Elton John, and I think they forgave her. It's the best song on the album. Hmm. (laughs) Now, I understand this, because this is part of the reason we started doing the podcast. It's the excitement of the big guns coming face to face. The excitement of the combined star power. You know, we talked about this before. Yeah. It's there to take entertainment one step further into complete bliss for the fans of both of these artists. But as we always find, the mutual reverence and surrender dilutes the fantasy and we're left with this eulogy-hot performance and lyrical flair of a greeting card. (laughs) There's no spark. It's too respectful. There's no Belton, for instance. There's no teardrop in the throat from Tammy. It's just a very tepid experience, isn't it? Absolutely is. And this song is A Woman's Needs. With Tammy and Elton. Champagne on us. One man to show me the best part of life. Is that what you want? Yeah, that's what I need. This was written by Elton and Bernie Torpin. Yeah, specifically for Tammy. At her request. At her request, okay. But I think Bernie and Elton, their best years are behind them at this point. Right. Would you agree? I was trying to work out when Elton John becomes a caricature of himself because my main sort of memories of talking about Elton John, listening to Elton John, it being on, is us saying that. It's probably with the Diana funeral and that version of Candle in the Wind. He's part of the furniture, he's a sir. He gets knighted maybe after that, actually. But um, for a lot of his career, and I never really bothered listening to him, apart from it was always on when I was young in the 80s, like Nikita was on the charts, um, No Sacrifice, uh, and then the, the 70s stuff you would be on a jukebox if you went into a pub or whatever. One of the most um, famous duets of all time. Which one's that? Well, Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Yeah, okay, yeah. That was always on, endlessly repeated. Yeah, and I never bothered, like, because I'd already 
been through my 90s cynical sort of like that's Elton John he's just a caricature there's lots of these kind of like music heads who talk about Yellow Brick Road as being like incredible I never listened to it so I'd listen to it today it's fucking great actually <laughs> Is it? it's really good no I've never listened to a whole Elton John album ever I listened to it today and Candle in the Wind that version of it is bloody great the harmonies are beautiful um, it's a great production and also I'd always thought Elton just sings the stuff but he writes it doesn't he he writes the music yeah he writes the music yeah Bernie sends him the lyrics and then Elton crafts a song out of the lyrics which yeah. is Different to a lot of other songwriting partnerships. Uh, he's pretty good at music, basically. He's just like, ah, whatever you tell me to express, I'll express it, because I like doing it through music. He tried himself. There's an interview with, I think it was Arsenio Hall, and he was like, Moon in June, you know, that was my limit. It was very basic. And he probably didn't really push himself. He got given Bernie's lyrics. Yeah. Ray Williams put an ad in The Enemy in 67 for talent. He, he worked for a record company. They both replied, and then uh, Ray just sent Elton Bernie's lyrics in an envelope. Yeah. Right. And said, try that. And the rest is, uh, well, stuff. The rest so, is uh, a lot of similar <laughs> stuff. <laughs> a lot of very similar stuff. I just got stuck basically trying to look at every album and see if there's like a hit or something I sort of knew um, and where that stopped. And I worked out... For me, it's 89 with It's No Sacrifice. I think that's where it stops. Well, that was number one or number two or something, wasn't it? That was a big yeah, hit. Yeah, it was a big hit. It was 89. And the next year was when he went cold turkey, 1990. That's it. He started the 90s with the double whammy of rehab and a hair transplant. So mm. this is how he reinvented himself. The hat era was over. The eyewear cooled down as well. And it was just yeah. El- Elton with a mop top and in a Versace suit. And that was his look for the whole of the 90s, wasn't it? I mean, he yeah. doesn't really deviate after this. He's like, I've got rid of all my demons. Or maybe he hasn't got rid of them, but like he's kind of uh, used therapy to get out of it. Yeah, he's in daily therapy to keep to that one image. It may have been advice. Yeah, be normal. <laughs> this is often advice in Alcoholics Anonymous or psychotherapy, I'm sure. It's just like, get some kind of routine that is easy to deal with and that excludes all these bad things that you do and stick to that till you don't crave all those things as much as you used to. Yeah. So I think a look, because Elton is known for his outrageous different looks, dressing up like Donald Duck or like a fucking Russian military man or whatever... He just did every kind of look possible, didn't he? Just kind of trying to outdo himself. And this is in his Coke era. And uh, he's Scotch. He was into Scotch, wasn't he? He used to drink a whole bottle of Scotch. Right. And food. He was upset. He's like a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. So he kind of had to knock all this on the head at the same time. Yeah. And then Mm. he became just not as interesting. And the caricature of himself. His voice. It becomes, it was so, the impression that everyone does, it would do better do. Consciously trying to just be this one thing, whereas before it seemed to come through him somehow. Didn't he have throat surgery in the late 80s or something? He had some kind of vocal cord problem. He dropped a key or an, an octave. octave. And so he, mm. he couldn't do the high bits anymore. Yeah. So maybe he's overcompensating by putting more rah into it. Yeah, he's trying to be more sort of crooner or deep bass. 
whatever you call it. Baritone. Yeah, going for a baritone thing, like purposefully. Yeah. Mm. Dave Garn, Johnny Cash kind of. Uh, and when he does that, the crazy wild sort of innocence that is present in some of his music disappears. Because it's too considered. Yeah, just too self-conscious, basically. It sort of all comes down to that bit in Perfect Day, you know, where he goes, then later, a movie too, and then home. <laughs> it's just, that's when we first identified it. It was like 97 or something. Yeah. Perfect the, Day charity single. The charity single. And he does one of them because everyone does a bit, a different bit. And then it's like M people. Oh, like, I wonder what that was. Was that, was that a duo desert? Or maybe that was even more. No, that's tons. Oh, oh yeah, God, what's it called? Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say what I said last week because yeah. I'm a bit embarrassed about that. Do you want me to take that out? Yeah, could you? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> this ridiculous personality that has been quite happily sort of absorbed by Tammy in this song puts Tammy into a stereotypical box of... Stand by your man, but like times 2000. Yeah. If you weren't sure uh, about her raging Republican credentials, then um, I think this song here, you know, <laughs> further proof. <laughs> it's so sickeningly traditional. Its value system is horrible. Ross. And it's like. Who wrote the locks? Yeah, I know. Bernie. I know. This is what I'm talking about how the reverence and the surrender is so prevalent in this song. Because it's like. Okay, we're going to write for Tammy. She wants us to write for her. So let's write a song that's exactly like what we know of Tammy. Instead of pushing yeah. it, or like the KLF got in touch with her and said, look, we just think your voice would be great on this. What you're singing has nothing to do with anything you've ever sung about in your life. We yeah. just love your voice. And you this won't know like, what it means. Yeah, yeah this, this is the complete opposite. It's so safe. But it's not even like safe. It's just like wrong. It's just like under-researched. Like, lazy as fuck. It's just like the, the Tammy stereotype. Well, marriage seems to define the Tammy experience with, yeah. um, with Bernie. It's the matrimonial dream she pines for. It's, it's sad and it's horrible, it's ugly. And it's unrequited as well. Oh, absolutely. He, uh, that's what's weird about this. He's squirming El- El- out of it. He's squirming right out of it. He can't respond emotionally at all to this. It's like he can't even do it. He's trying. He uses like... rock cliches to yeah. get out of it. He calls himself a gypsy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like a gypsy yeah. in rock is like completely different to what a gypsy is in society. A gypsy in rock is a free spirit, you know, mm. a travelling showman. It's not a um, a slur. Like uh, as it would be in the mirror or the sun or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he plays dumb as well. He says that um, he doesn't trust himself. He's like basically saying, it's not you, it's me. And then he says, during the chorus, after she says, I need a ring on my finger, the marriage thing, champagne on ice, champagne again. Champagne was in girl thing. So there's like... For this, fuck's sake. Everyone, obviously, who writes for Tammy just thinks, oh, she's a classy lady. We'll, talk, <laughs> we'll, we'll put champagne in there. We're not going to put beer or... Beef dripping. Champagne and ice. What fucking marriage is this? And that's this is like insane. no marriage I fucking know. If you, as soon as you feature champagne on ice, you're talking about partying. It's not a marriage. No, 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 no. No, it, no, no. Really? No? Champagne on ice is like being romantic on a swing chair on the porch. That's what I think of the champagne yeah. on ice in this. I don't think of it as like but, but, an Elton John party. 
Well, that's not marriage, though, is it? That's just saccharine. It's a romantic of... notion. No, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. romantic, but... But the way he answers it, he just acts completely dumb because she says, I need the ring on my finger, shampoo on her eyes, one man to show me the best part of life. And then he says, yeah. is that what you want? <laughs> and she says, and then, yeah. then, wait, wait, wait. Is that what you want? And you're expecting, this is Elton's bit now, and he's going to do some, because I got this for you and I'm going to give you this. <laughs> or like, or is that what you want? Because that's what will happen if da, da, it's, it's just, if that's what you want. And then there's like that's a massive it. pause, yeah. like for ages, like dead air. And she's like, yeah, that's, that's what I need. And that's it. And, that, and that's, that's his, it. That's his only part <laughs> that's of the as course. As far as he can get. <laughs> oh. Long pause. Hooky stuff. It seems like he's bullied in, in this song. Like she, mm. she says, a home and a family makes sense for us. She's dominating. She's saying, this is how I see it. And it makes mm. sense for us. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? I mean, does right? she know Are you ready? He, does she know he's gay? <laughs> <laughs> There's a little hint that I think Torpin put in. Just to fuck There's with a little him. nudge and a wink. She starts the second verse with, I guess some souls get restless under the skin. There's a shortage by half of marrying men. Now I'm thinking, right, this is an interesting lyric because it's either saying her choices are dwindling, she's getting older, she's getting desperate, or it's like a wink by talking about the general acceptance of homosexuality and Mm. the melting of intolerance, as he put it on the Arsenio Hall show, in society in relation to coming out, not having to hide in marriages due to mm. cultural or possibly even public relation reasons. Maybe that's mm. pointing the finger at Elton, saying, "Yeah, you know, you got married, you, sh- you know, you sh- to a woman, yeah. you, <laughs> you idiot. But, like, you know, there's a shortage by half of marrying men because now gay people aren't just pretending to be straight and marrying people. Mm. They're more free to follow their dreams of what they actually want instead of being told what to do by society. So Mm. he could have said something about how this isn't right for him because he's not heterosexual. Mm. It could have have been interesting, but but no. That would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's already out by then. I mean, she must know. I still feel like going back to the Republican thing, I don't think she'd be approving at all. Why are you so... You're so stuck on this. I feel like she'd be on that side. She's on the Bush side. You know, the Reagan side. <laughs> for this kind of thing. Why are you putting culture wars into Tammy Wynn? <laughs> just, just for fun. <laughs> just for fun. You know. Okay. She probably really values all these things. Mm. But she knows that it's really tricky. Cause yeah, she's She's got it wrong, all. like, three or four times, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. She she does know and has known in her career, and she's she's real, and that's why she's got the teardrop in her voice. But as she gets older and more set in her mansion and everything, perhaps she, like most people who come from nothing, end up assholes, like the nouveau riche, basically. They adopt the prejudices of those that they uh, aspire to destroy or used to want to destroy but now are with so they're like okay yeah we hate the working classes as well or they're intolerant in various ways because they got there you know they made it out of nothing so why the fuck should they like support anyone else who's got problems it seems to be a basic human uh, trait (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, luckily she didn't take him up on the uh, on the gypsy thing as well, because I don't know if they have that word in America. Do they? I mean, they have the gypsy moth. What's the gypsy moth? Gypsy moth eats its uh, lion's share of shrubs. It's like a voracious leaf consumer. Okay, yeah. Killing lots of their hardwood trees and stuff for this. Mm. So it was called a gypsy moth because it destroyed stuff. <laughs> so yeah. it's fucking such a racial slur. Yeah. It's still called that. I remember my old boss, when I was a landscape gardener, he'd call everything that was badly made. Say if we we're going into a garden and there's like the wall that was easy to knock down. Mm. He'd say, this is fucking gypsy. Yeah. He'd always use gypsy as a, a word for irregular. But this isn't proper. Yeah. It's not like a proper white mason's wall. Yeah. This is a fucking gypsy wall because I can easily knock it down. Yeah. Fucking hell. Uh, but interestingly, in the job that I first had when I finished uni, we'd always cowboy everything. Be like, let's fucking cowboy. Oh, cowboy. cowboy yeah. Well, they would move around as well. That's the thing. Yeah. They'd push the herd of cattle to wherever the slaughterhouses were or wherever. Mm. Being here one day and then not being here tomorrow, so they don't really take care on that day that they are here. Yeah. That's the whole prejudice, isn't it? Because they ain't part of this community, yeah. Yeah, they're just going to make a mess, and then they're going to leave it, Mm. and we're all going to have to pay for it to be cleared up. Yeah. It's like anyone who doesn't want to be part of this community, they leave, and then they're always blamed, because it's easy, because they're gone. Yeah. But in the end, desperation and dominance looks like it will win, and Elton is weak in retaliation, and ends up reluctantly agreeing to her terms, would you say? Does he? I didn't get to the end. I You didn't get to the end of the song? Well, no, I, I, I listened to the end, but I didn't, didn't track the lyrics to the end. Yeah, I listened to the end of the song too many times. It coders with them, them both singing together. Yeah, but that's ridiculous, Coda. Her lines, basically. It's awful. There's no completion. There's no finale. Yeah, it doesn't vary very much. It's the same tone. There's no, like, stretching of the vocal cords or anything. <laughs> it just all comes back to the supposed chorus. Is that what you want? It's literally like dead air in uh, an interview or something. Yeah, it doesn't do anything different with her saying, yes. That's what I want! Or something like that. You know, it's like, it almost brings the fucking dullness of married life to Tammy home. Yeah. That's how it's going to be. It's going to be, you're going to fucking like it. Welcome That's to being happening. sober, Elton. Yes. Welcome to sobriety. This is what happens in the, <laughs> this this is the 90s, Elton. <laughs> because he had his hair transplant, suddenly he's getting a little bit of attention from the opposite sex. Like, ooh, his hair looks nice. <laughs> and he's like, oh, fucking hell. Now they're trying to marry me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's probably a bit weirded out by the whole fucking thing. Mm. Yeah, the 80s was his wild time, and now this is his establishment. Penance, basically. Yeah, duets, penance. Did you watch um, Tantrums and Tiaras? It rings a bell, but no. I Tantrums and it. Tiaras is his candid behind-the-scenes documentary that was filmed by... David Furnish, his partner and now husband. Um, mm. But at the time, they'd only been together for two years. And uh, Elton was asked to do a documentary and he thought, well, I'll do it like a really honest, because he's obviously into all this honesty stuff because he's gone through all the, the therapy and everything. Yeah. So he kind of gave birth to this celebrity docu-series garbage that we've been inundated with since. Mm. He says that Sharon Osbourne cites it as the inspiration for doing the Osbournes. Right. And then from that, you get 
all this fucking warts and all kind of uh, all this kind of stuff like the Judds you know I was talking about the Judds watching that one yeah because it is just him behind the scenes in his houses in hotel rooms in backstage areas with his personal assistant it's pretty funny like Elwin is he's a pretty funny guy yeah there's only a couple of tantrums in there really Mm. like there's one that's fucking hilarious he's on holiday and he just doesn't want to do anything David is like if I asked you to go on a nature walk would you be up for that and he's like no (laughs) (laughs) well what about if we wanted to go and see a show or something in town or it's like no I just want to sit here in the hotel and uh (laughs) He just wants to play tennis in the hotel, basically. He loves tennis. He's so into tennis. There's a fucking yeah. clip of it. It's amazing. He's playing tennis mm. and he just like has a fucking fit and just throws his tennis. Like everyone does this in tennis because it's, yeah. it is it is one of the games. It's infuriating. Really I have seen you do it, actually. Yeah, yeah. I've done it so <laughs> many times. I used to do it as well. But he has, uh, yeah. he has it because there's this woman, apparently, saying... Elton, Elton, why don't you come and do this and do, do, do why you? And he says that if she'd have just asked for a, an autograph, I would have done it, got it over and done with. But she just wanted to hang around and watch me. And if someone's watching you play tennis badly, like, yeah. that is going to wind you up. <laughs> and he blows up. And then there's this scene of him just being like a total child, sitting on the sofa in his Nike kind of tennis gear. And like, <laughs> just looking out of shape. Has he got really like pumped up sort of uh, trainers? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything Nike. I love that. And oh. he's just fuming, absolutely fuming. And David's like prodding him a little bit. And like to be honest, my perception of David Furnish was like maybe I don't know, like a trophy husband or something. He's like a younger guy, good looking, mm. and I didn't know much about him, but he's brilliant. Mm. In this film, like as the kind of him and I think another producer have these little handy cams mm. and they're just like following Elton around, talking to his um, his kind of team and stuff. And like it's really it's good fun. And what I found out in this film, yeah, it happened with Ted Klontz in The Judds and now it's yeah. happened with Elton. He had a psychotherapist called Beachy Colclough, this Irish guy. <laughs> Beachy. <laughs> Beachy. Yeah, Bochum was his, is his real name, but Beachy is what he's known as. Don't even know that name. Bochum. He's an ex-musician, songwriter, performer that got into drugs, alcohol, and basically had a breakdown, went through therapy. And then from his therapist, she said, well, you should probably look into doing this it could be something good for you to to do you know being a therapist yeah getting into um the industry that's the only way that people actually recover is by becoming therapists mm. yeah it's the well, only I mean, way. It's that's, that's way. the whole well pretty much that's the circle of wellness the, right. the whole wellness scene you need to get you, power back because you you're like oh i did this and i did this and then i realized i could actually make something in my life i could do something on my own and that was be a therapist <laughs> who's the closest person to you at that time of your rediscovery of yourself is the therapist that's what you want to that's be. what i want to be now yeah this is something i can really get into because i've learned so much stuff about how they work and i could do this and he does and also they've got the contacts so you can just go into that industry and that's kind of what they want anyway and yeah then they can give you contacts you can give them contacts and it just increases the industry and it grows the industry so it's just a self-fulfilling thing. Yeah, exactly. He's got the background. 
of going for all mm-hmm. this. That is like a great card to play. He mm. was the same. He was a musician playing in bands and stuff. So he understands. So he mm. builds this huge like list of celebrity clients during the 90s. And a lot of it is from Elton's recommendations. Mm. Because Elton is not just in the middle of the, our duet matrix. He's in the middle of psychotherapy as well. Because you've heard like that Elton is always helping out people that are going through the same kind of things as he went through. The drug dependency, mm. the alcoholism, yeah. like with Off. Robbie Williams. He keeps referring all these people, like from talking to Elizabeth Taylor, he referred Michael Jackson. No way. So Beachy gets this huge client list off the back of his work with Elton. Mm. And he becomes this celebrity therapist. And he takes it one step further and he starts being like a TV therapist. And he's on GMTV on the couch with Eamon Holmes and Anthea Turner. But he also gets a column in the Daily Mirror. Right. As a kind of um, agony uncle. Yeah, talk to Beachy. Yeah, he's got a lovely voice and he's very calming and everything. Talk and, to um, Beachy. So Elton, in his, in his biography, uh, his autobiography called Me... It's just called me. <laughs> Amazing. I've got to say, that's, that's better than life, which is Keith Richards. Right, yeah. It's, it's better. It's, it's brilliant, actually. So Elton doesn't name Beachy, but he tells the story of this psychiatrist at the time bringing Michael Jackson along to a lunch at his house on the same date that he was introducing David Furnish to his mother for the first time. Mm. Because Beachy's coming along maybe for dinner, and he thinks, well, he doesn't say it's to Beachy, but I've worked out, I think it is Beachy. Yeah. Because he's working with Michael Jackson at this time. So Elton can't really get out of having Michael Jackson turn up at this really kind of important dinner where he's going to introduce his lover to his mum. And Michael's in a really bad way. He brings his own chef um, mm. who makes food just for Michael, and Michael doesn't eat any of it. <laughs> <laughs> he also doesn't eat any of Elton's food that yeah. Elton's chefs made. Yeah. And he just wanders off and is later found playing video games with an 11-year-old son of the housekeeper of Elton's house. <laughs> <laughs> the one that got away. This oh. is like early 90s. He would have been playing Sonic the Hedgehog. Probably, Probably like yeah. listening to the Sonic the Hedgehog tunes thinking, they can, I could get into this. I love thinking, it. Well, these are my tunes. Mm. <laughs> Bob is along to his own made. tunes. But yeah. no, that might, that, I think that might have been later, no, too yeah. early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he also, uh, Elton in the same autobiography, mentions that one of his psychiatrists had been struck off for molesting his female patients. Mm. So I did a quick search for Beachy mm. and found that, yes, he treated Michael Jackson for painkiller addiction. And also, yes, he was struck off. The British Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy Register in 2006 after mm. several females complained of seduction. Mm. Yeah. Dodge. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> he got the power back by becoming mm. a therapist and he uh, used it for ill. Yeah. <laughs> he made a lot of money in the process. Yeah, he was reported to bosses by former lap dancer Angela Harvey, who claimed the shrink targeted her when she turned to him for help with a binge drink problem. This is from um, The Mirror. Mm. Which he does a Which he was working for. Yeah. They don't say that introducing this story. They just say Mm. celebrity therapist. No. No, they just say (laughs) celebrity therapist. (laughs) 
Yeah. Angela Harvey goes on to say, instead of making me better, Beachy tapped into my problems and used his therapist skills to reel me in for sex. He set out to groom me and he manipulated me so I would fall in love with him for his own sexual fantasies to be fulfilled. Holy crap. They ended up having sex during her fourth visit while his wife and business partner Joe was in the next room. Okay. He used to make her read out letters that had been written by celebrity clients of his as he launched into a foul-mouthed tirade about them. This guy, this fucking El- Elton. So 2006, he gets struck off and mm. he goes quiet for a while. But then he goes back to music and he's, mm. he starts to post up new recordings on his YouTube page. And he boasts about seven of his songs appearing on the US soap, The Young and the Restless, which is the longest running US soap there is. It's like the Coronation Street of America. Never fucking heard of it. Yeah, but he hasn't been dropped by all of his celebrity clients or friends as he was last seen supporting Johnny Depp at his libel trial earlier this year in Virginia. Holy crap, no. Yes. Really? Oh, my God. On a sort of slight tangent, well, my normal tangent, I was just trying to investigate Tammy's religious views. Right. Yeah, right, whether it's on the right, sort of Christian right, and this kind of stuff. Well, religious views are not right or left, are they? No, but sort of now, I I guess, the far right and extreme Christian America go hand in hand. Well, because it's a very good uh, voting demographic. Yeah, yeah, and the soccer mums and, like, we're good Christians is always what you can come back to to justify anything. Um. Would she be okay with uh, Elton, who's uh, openly said he would ban religion completely? Really pissed off a lot of people. Did he? Um, yeah. Was that like his John Lennon bigger than Jesus moment? Yeah. You got Neil Horsley, the Christian reconstructionist from Georgia, made a YouTube vid saying Elton has to die. And well, he had yeah. tons of death threats. Um, there is history of Tammy Wynette doing some. Uh, more kind of, not risque, but girl thang type things. Your good girl's going to go bad. That's, that song is, uh, what's the word? Edge, edgy? It's a bit edgy. It's, it's, it's kind of subtle. And it's more like a threat. Look, look, your good girl could go bad, actually, if you don't, you know, play ball. Yeah, it's, it's totally threatening. And, and it would be bad to her as well. It's not a power song. It would be bad for her, bad for him, bad for everyone. But she could do it. She's just saying, I could do it. Yeah, she could turn this whole world upside down just by yeah. going bad. Because it's these... such a strict moral world that she's living in. Yeah. So I was sort of like looking for this. I ended up reading a passage by Kerry Phils on Quara, who answers the question, as a Christian is listening to your good girl's going to go bad. Acceptable. (laughs) So Kerry Phils says, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, Adonia, and goes against his word, even in the slightest, you shouldn't listen to it. Hope this helps. Smile face. (laughs) (laughs) Another one's saying, like, I've done another version, but I've removed the word bad. Is that okay? (laughs) 
And they're like, yes, that's okay. <laughs> so I'm like, good girl's gonna go. Pause. <laughs> Pause. Pause. A guitar. A, 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 that's what I need. This is a bit of blues guitar girl fang. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these far right Christians just like, oh, does this mean I can't listen to it? Like, so weird. Yeah. But that is like the whole problem of um, agnostic Christianism. You don't know anything. You have to ask your priest, your preacher, whoever. All these questions. Does it make me a bad Christian if I listen to this? Am I allowed to dance to this? Am I allowed to have mm. fun? Please tell me, because I don't know, because I have no connection to God. You're my connection to God. Yeah. Go Gnostic. You know, connect to God in your own way. You don't need people to tell you how to fucking get on with God. No. I mean, I was quite happy. I didn't really find anything to sort of prove my theory that she's like a total Christian nutbag. Or a right-winger. Well, def- she's definitely a bit right-wing. She's friends with the Bushes, you know. Good friends. So, I did find a great bookend to this. You know what um, song made Elton decide to go sober? What, song of his own or song of someone any else's? Any song, any song. Um, so, 1989 would have been his time of... Thinking, well, I've got to go so. No, I'm just thinking, like, you know, it couldn't have been anything after 1990, that's what I'm saying. No. So it wasn't um, Barbie Girl by Aqua. It was. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It wasn't Nothing Else Matters. No. Metallica. It wasn't no. that. No. Oh, that was probably inspired by Elton's film, Tantrums and Tiaras. It's probably the Metallica film. Yeah, some kind of monster. Yeah. Yeah, another one. I mean, that's a great film. But, um, so yeah, the Elton song that made him go straight. Yeah. No, that's it wasn't not an Elton straight. Song. A song. Sorry, not straight. Sober. Mm. Was it Give Guns N' Roses? Was it Guns N' Roses? No. Um, oh, God, I don't think, know. Think, think, think nearer <clears throat> our world. Very close to our world. What, our duet's world? Yeah. Was it a duet? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a duet in this round. It's a duet that we've had in this In this round, yeah. Don't give up! Yes! Exactly! Oh, whoa! (laughs) I told you! Exactly! It comes back round! I told you! It's that... Chorus. It's the chorus. It's the Kate it's Bush. The Don't give it's up. The... When times are rough, blah, 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 blah. you mean the um, the that gospel bit there bit. helped him get over his addiction. He said that he's on record. So That's background, brilliant. amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, we said that that is the thing that people grab hold of is the uh, "Don't give up" bit. Yeah, you say it's the gospel bit, but I don't believe that. I think it's the "Don't give up." <laughs> but of course, it helped him because he's friends with Kate Bush, and he's. Uh, oh, I see where this is going. Elton has to do a song with Kate Bush to complete the cycle. It has, it has to, to be, be that. Yeah. That's where we are, and he did do that song with Kate Bush on the album "50 Different Words for Snow." called Snowed In at Wheeler Street. 
Okay, well, we'll, we'll talk about that next time because I haven't even listened to it yet. Have you not? No. Not at all? I, I, I put it on and I turned it off. <laughs> then a later, a movie too, and then home. <laughs>